Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Progressive Outlook. Again, this is Dave bringing this at you. And uh, go ahead. If you like what you hear, follow, subscribe, like, do whatever you do on your podcast output to keep up uh, new episodes that are dropping. Uh, this episode is about uh, anti-Asian uh, hate crimes that's been growing over the year and last year as well. And the atrocities of the thousands, thousands of murdered women and missing women in the Native American community. Now on with the show. Back in the beginning of March last year, before everything was shut down, data trends provider SCM Rush revealed that Related searches to Corona beer virus or beer coronavirus spiked in internet searches. In a separate survey by 5WPR, uh, 5W Public Relations, uh, via phone, they found out uh, 737 American beer drinkers, 38%, refused to purchase Corona beer due to fear that the beer caused the virus and transferred it. Among those that do drink Corona, 4% would stop drinking it, and 14% would order it in a public venue. 4% of drinkers that prefer Corona abandoned it, while another 38% of people made up their own theory about the virus and the beer and ran with it. Keep in mind, those people surveyed are adults aged 21 years and older. In addition to beer, the majority of those theories about the virus were directed towards the Asian community, which leads to an increase in hate crimes toward Asian Americans. Hate-filled theories, including such phrases as China virus and Kung flu, fueled people's fear and intensified their anger. People are susceptible to be driven by fear, ignorance, and anger. Their fear and anger caused them to conjure up a physical boogeyman in Asian form and direct it towards them. The correlation is that people were driven by ignorance about the virus and looked for a scapegoat in the 18th for the 40s, cause of the pandemic. Chinese immigrants it's came over from the British colonies. This past year, I the first saw a sign at a protest that went viral. Rush. It read, later quote, on, on the love Pacific us Railroad. like you love our food. There were low-wage laborers. That's a lot. It doesn't have to be explained, but I'll explain During anyway. the gold rush Chinese craze, cuisine, Chinese immigrants were victims of discrimination made so and poor by the people that consume it. With U.S. imported people who are Chinese immigrants to work popular. on the railroads and levees Take in California, against Asian Americans they were already through the roof. This is Irish immigrants. There's a history of the Chinese experience discrimination way due back. to their race and hard, tireless work. They still receive less pay than everyone else. Because they worked hard with low wages, the Chinese were preferred over other laborers. This caused anti-Asian sentiment to grow. They were painted as criminals, lepers, and opium dealers and users. They were forced into prostitution and characterized as less than regular Americans who worked for a decent wage. The media called them heathen Chinese, as several cartoons illustrated them as being dirty and lepers. Racist Irish teamsters led by Dennis Kearney harassed them in attempts to make them leave the country. He called for violent actions upon Chinese immigrants and politicians who supported their rights. His racially charged speeches of the Chinese must go became slogans. This all boiled into the explosion of the Rock Springs Massacre of 1885 and the Hell's Canyon Massacre of 1887. 
miners in both locations robbed, murdered, lynched, and burned Chinese immigrants. They destroyed their homes and ran several off into the wilds of the country where they were attacked and killed by animals. The government intervened, but no arrests were made, nor compensation for property damage was paid. The assailants walked away free from accountability. How did the country act to this? What was the result? President Chester A. Arthur signed the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882, which barred immigration for Chinese laborers and allowed immigration for Chinese students, teachers, diplomats, and merchants. This was intended to last 10 years, but lasted 20. And their on-screen depiction? Well, let's just say it's just a joke, bro, has negative connotations no matter the situation. In the case of the history of cinema, which used the same black extra and three stooges to buckwheat or mammies, characters exaggerate themselves to look like clownish fools. Charlie Chan was the Asian equivalent of that. It's just a joke. Americans weren't able to distinguish that as a movie and assume those stereotypes were actual people around them. Again, think of the Corona beer. Bruce Lee, an American born in San Francisco, best known for his skills of combat and the memorable movie Enter the Dragon, hated those Charlie Chan movies and wanted to depict his people in a strong, self-reliant light and fill those roles with people of primarily Asian descent because that was his ancestry. It worked, but indirectly his movies produced by Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers Studios propelled the popular martial arts stereotype. Those are brief examples of how stereotypes were born and at the same time push harmful jokes about Asian Americans forward. These jokes prevailed for decades. It's been a popular notion, especially in stand-up comedy, to make jokes about accents in Chinese restaurants. I personally had a tape from Comic View with the compilation of comedians telling those jokes and only one Asian American, Steve Byrne, just telling light humor about his life that stood out from the stereotypes. It continues to this day. Jay Leno apologized recently for anti-Asian jokes. Quoting comedian Brian Yang, If you're arming the audience with racist ideas, they're going to go out into the world and repeat your jokes. End quote. And NBC's Claire Wang, quote, In 2019, Saturday Night Live dropped Shane Gillis for deploying an Asian slur and homophobic jokes on his podcast. The same year, actress Rosie O'Donnell apologized for using caricature Indian accent in a club set, more than a decade after sparking outrage for mocking a Chinese accent, end quote. As they are stereotyped as caricatures in movies and punching bags and comedy stand-ups, women have been actually depicted in subservient roles as well. Oh, they've been sexualized and subservient in the media for decades. They've been depicted as prostitutes or sex workers in the background as objects that can be attained or purchased, but not as human beings with the dignity and respect. Uh, the world of Susie Wong, Memoirs of a Geisha, Miss Saigon, You Only Live Twice, these depict the Lotus Blossom stereotype, where the Lotus Blossom is weak, silent, has to be saved, on the other hand, you have the Dragon Lady, another sexualized stereotype, but with the intent to kill or prey. The term is from the villain in Terry and the Pirates, the Dragon Lady in there. 
But this isn't new. They have been speaking out about this, about the way they've been t- depicted, about the way people talk about the culture, tell jokes about them, um, just about the way they've been perceived by other races of people. But you know what? They weren't taken seriously at the time. And whenever there was a complaint, it was overlooked. One factor, for example, is uh, think of the cultural district Chinatowns all over the country. They're popular tourist destinations, and plights in those areas are downplayed due to the fact that the city doesn't want to deter tourists from visiting. The other factor is the model minority myth. The model minority stereotype is a term used to compare outspoken people of color. Think of the 50s and 60s civil rights movement, when they try to fight the status quo and upset the imbalance that are systemically in place. By comparing that group of people to those that do not rarely or even fight back. Since Asian Americans for many decades are overlooked people, they're considered quiet as well. Thus, they're the mild minority. Uh, people would say, why can't you be more like them? They'll be used as counterpoints and viewed as if they respect the system. Some families have the mentality of laying low, do your job, don't fight the system, try to blend in. They don't see themselves as a struggling minority class because of their financial status. Not a low working class like a dishwasher or janitorial as black Americans or Latin people. Or when people immigrated to the country, they were sponsored and favored by the success of the family. They already have a foot in with the strong career path laid out for them. Now, it wasn't easy peasy for all Asian American immigrants, but... Uh, For example, the Japanese Americans, when they came over here in the late 30s, they were seeing success in the farming community in California, where they were bringing about 10% of the state's crops from all the work they were doing. They were making a lot of legit money from there. They weren't underpaid, and they weren't deemed as dirty lepers or anything like that. They were just people working there, and they were actually making good living off the buck. Now they in spite of laws limiting them to buy rights to land, they were still able to prosper. Now, the thing is, such as earlier when I was talking about the 1800s, they were seeing competition from Westerners that were just thinking of the same rhetoric of how they were taking their jobs from them or how they were just jealous that these people from another country were seeing success. And then came Pearl Harbor and the anti-Asian rhetoric that came following it. Even though the FBI and the Justice Department deemed after extensive investigations that the Japanese population in this U.S. weren't deemed a threat at all. But again, they were perceived as a threat and put in concentration camps. And that's because the media started to push that narrative that they actually were enemies to the state. Um, Think of Dr. Seuss. He actually released a cartoon which depicted that they were invading the country. Uh, so many other, there's comic books and cartoon shows. There was deeming Japanese Americans as enemy to the country. And all that work that they were doing in California, they lost it. They lost all their money and they were forced into those camps. And speaking of that, uh, George K. has an interesting quote about that. Even though he was four years old when he was taken to a concentration camp. I don't use the term internment camp. Um, I feel like it actually downplays uh, what it was. No, not all, di- not all concentration camps were death camps. They were just what they were. 
concentration of people there. And that's exactly what they were doing uh, when they put the Japanese in those internment camps or concentration camps. Uh, but no, about George Decay, what he said is, quote, I remember my mother's tears as we were forced from our home at gunpoint. Everything they had worked for was gone in an instant, end quote. Um, they lost everything. And he wasn't the only family to suffer from that. And that was just another atrocity that was unjust to those people. It's not like they pulled out so many sleeper units from there. No, they didn't. No, it was just, again, ignorance and panic and looking for a boogeyman. Now, keep in mind, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are not a monolith. This was a strong stereotype that the Westerners just perceived that they they all look like they're from East Asia. They, they must be from either China or Japan because those are the two biggest countries bringing in immigrants over here. And even though there was people from Mongolia, Tibet, uh, Thailand, just so many different countries, Westerners would look at them and just lump them up together, which is exactly anti-Asian rhetoric happening now. People are mad and really racists are mad <laughs> at the Chinese community. But honestly, they're mad at all Asian people. And they're bringing their hatred to all Asian people and just lumping them together just in that melting pot mentality that they have. And that's the thing. Not everybody's the same. And not just that. Nobody should be victimized, especially about where they're from. And that's just a big denouncement there. But uh, that's how anti-Asian rhetoric was normalized by the country and any hate crime was downplayed due to those factors. But this past year, hate crimes increased by 1,000%. A rapid attack on a community like this echoes a Middle Eastern community being villainized during 9-11. The following are two organizations that compiled data documenting hate crimes reported to police or a more broad category of hate, hateful incidents. Uh, first, the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University released info in early March that showed hate crimes against Asian Americans spiked 149% between 2019 and 2020, even though hate crimes overall declined. Secondly, a separate group, Stop AAPI Hate, cataloged nearly 3,800 hateful incidents, which is not limited to crimes, during the first year of the pandemic. Most of those hateful incidents targeted women and the elderly. Of course, it was only a matter of time mass shooting would happen. As a matter of fact, mass shootings took place on a daily basis pre-COVID, even hate crime mass shootings. So combine mass shooting with anti-Asian rhetoric and you have a massive tragedy waiting to happen. And talking about Atlanta, eight women were killed. Six were Asian women. Randomly, on one weekday, someone took an AR-15 and shot up three massage parlors. The shooter was taken alive. That's a topic for another time. And the county sheriff said that he wouldn't call that an act uh, a hate crime. And the shooter was just a sexually frustrated male, angry at sex workers. He had a bad day. Like, WTF, dude? What to unpack over there with all, all that? What? 
First, it's alleged that they were sex workers. We don't know, but so that's a hate crime against sex workers. It's clearly a hate crime against women. And on top of that, it's a hate crime on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. It's a trifecta hate crime. But of course, the sheriff shared the same anti-Asian rhetoric from his Facebook profile of him selling, quote, China virus t-shirts. This is what people mean about systemic racism. It's deeply rooted in a system that's supposed to uphold the law for everyone, but only place favors depending on the race. To combat these hate crimes, the White House announced a plan of action of federal, state, and local law enforcement training on handling hate crime. Uh, we'll see how that goes, uh, but establishing a committee within the COVID-19 Equity Task Force to address Asian hate and is allocating $49.5 million to fund community-based services for survivors of violence. It's seen as first steps in Stop AAPI Hate, actually referred to it as that, but fear of over-policing won't make things better, especially for communities that fear police presence. But just spitballing right here, I think they should introduce a presence of police that reflect the community, as in Asian Americans, who are dressed casually and patrol the neighborhoods and get to know the local community. As for the criminals that are apprehended, the FBI or local police should track their online activity. What social groups do these people follow? Who are they listening to? And compile a list of those members. They are using Patriot against us, so use it for that at least. Come on. And the White House and local officials are trying to address these hateful actions and readdressing that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders are not an enemy, did not cause this pandemic, and are as Americans, you and me, and anyone else. And speaking of hate crimes on the community that is overlooked, another group are the Native Americans. They're seeing hate crimes and genocides as well especially regarding the women amongst the population. Deb Holland, the first indigenous person to hold the cabinet position of Secretary of the Interior, launched a new unit called the Missing and Murdered Unit, the MMU, and they're to be administered by the Office of Justice Services at the Interior Department's Bureau of Indian Affairs, BIAA for short, to investigate missing and murdered Native Americans. Now, in the United States and Canada, the crisis of missing and murdered women is vast, and it was prolonged for several decades. We're talking about people of color that are overlooked. Indigenous people have been for the longest. They've been pushed aside to reservations and nearly forgotten. The troubles of their communities are ignored and considered tribal affairs. Without the amount of resources to investigate to at least find missing people, the issue will prolong. Thus, people will commit crimes against them, knowing the crime will most likely go unreported. So, citing Think Progress, the Urban Indian Health Institute found 5,712 reports of murdered or missing Native women and girls throughout the United States in 2016, but only 116 of those were logged in the Department of Justice's database. To quote Deb Holland, 
the new MOU unit will provide the resources and leadership to prioritize these cases and coordinate resources to hold people accountable, keep our communities safe, and provide closure for families. End quote. According to the Urban Indian Health Institute, again, homicide is the third leading cause of death among American Indian and Alaska Native women aged from 10 to 24. The Justice Department also found that Native women are victims of murder over 10 times the national average, but without assistance from non-tribal, federal, state, and local agencies, these cases have gone underfunded and uninvestigated. The oldest reporting of the three times murder rate, for me I could find, goes as far back as 2009 by General Social Survey, where they first found that violence against Native women was almost three times higher than against non-Native or non-Aboriginal, how they put it. However, this violence against women goes back for decades to the 80s and 90s from an FBI investigation. The Bureau's first thought it might have been serial eventually concluded several deaths ranging from stabbings, runovers, shot or beaten, and that they weren't serial murders from someone. Those were individual cases of murder just happening at a rapid rate. So roughly... 1,500 American Indian and Alaska Native missing person have been recorded across the U.S. by the National Crime Information Center, and about 2,700 cases of homicide have been reported to the federal government's Uniform Crime Reporting Program. So the MMU will work with tribal authorities, the BIA that I mentioned earlier, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the FBI on active missing and homicide investigations. UNIT will work with the Justice Department's National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, the FBI's Forensic Laboratory, and Behavioral Analysis Units, the U.S. Marshal's Missing Child Unit, and the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. So, their history of racism lasts longer than any other person of color was underreported and glorified by movies dating as far back as, as forever. I would say maybe 30s or 20s. Much of their history about achievements and heroes are glossed over and not mentioned in American history books. The venerated president, Teddy Roosevelt, in 1886 once said, quote, I don't go so far as to uh, think that the only good Indians are the dead Indians, but I believe nine out of every ten are and I shouldn't inquire too closely into the case of the 10th, end quote. A sentiment that unfortunately lasted over a hundred years. There are hate groups and splinter factions of the KKK called Crazy Killer Cowboys. They prey on the American Indian and Alaskan Natives, locals, knowing they can commit any crime on them. The FBI went through great lengths crippling organized crime syndicates like Bugsy Malone, Meyer Lansky, and Al Capone. Thankfully, now there's a task force investigating with other agencies and the DOJ on protecting these people. These are two races overlooked by the country. One ignored as perfect citizens while the other is pushed to the shadows. The sad common denominator they have is the substantial hate crimes committed against them. Cartoonization of their cultures 
appropriation of their pasts, Halloween jokes, and history of violent acts falling on decades of societal and political silence.